Hey, senorita, really nice to meet ya. Have some tequila, and say, this week on Squash and Margaritas, it's radio host, TV personality, mom of two, and host of Just Jenny on Sirius XM Daily. Jenny Hutt, added to her resume, is dieter. And I have been reaching out, and we have finally connected, and we are going to talk all things diet, fitness, wellness. Here is my episode with Jenny Hutt. Hi! Hi, good morning. How are you? Thank you for being so responsible and diligent, like sending me a link and doing the whole bit. As if I would mess this up and not book you. I'm so happy you said yes. Yeah, of course. So why I mean No, you're you're in demand. Like you are you were on my list. Like I, oh, I love that. Thank you. Of yeah, course. no, I, I don't do I won't do the things that are well, obviously. I don't want to do something, I don't do it. But I, I all the sort of health conversations I I really appreciate because I'm like, as you know, I'm so annoyed with this whole like anti-diet culture police militia and I'm honestly confused by it because it's, it's just so silly and so like the, the opposite I think of like, it's one thing to be anti-skinny culture. Like I get that and I agree with that. We don't all have to be skinny, but this idea that somehow being on a diet means that you are disordered or somehow contributing to the downfall of every woman's self-esteem is just nuts. I am so excited to have this conversation. I'm not the anti-diet police, but my message now yeah. is, I know you hate this word. <laughs> Intuitive. Intuitive. Well, we're going to talk about all of it. I don't know. So basically what, what led me to, obviously, radio host, TV personality, lawyer, author, all the things. Something that is listed in your bio is dieter. Like, that defines you. <laughs> it is one of the things. It defines me only in that uh, I've been on, on or off or trying to be on or doing something diet-related since I was probably eight years old. Wow. Yeah. I mean, the earliest memory, I guess, I have of sort of the the idea that I had to diet was my mother when I was eight. I was very, very small. Like, I was short, and I was a little bit round. I mean, not anything round by today's society. I certainly wasn't fat. I just, in comparison, I guess, to my sister, who was, like, literally stick legs and stick arms as an as a prepubescent small child and, and didn't like much food. By comparison, I was chubby. And my and because I was also short for my age, I was like a, a pocket pal. My mom was uh so nervous that she took me to a glucose tolerance test. Zero other indicators of diabetes, but just I don't know. So for like eight hours they stuck me in the arm all day long, um, just to see if I had diabetes, which of course had no none of the diabetes. And uh, your mom you wanted you to make sure make sure you had like the best life and wanted to make sure everything was fine and was looking I out for you. On, well, I think honestly, I think in her head, she thought that if she could prevent my being fat, that would save me a lot of pain. Sure. And, and my mom wasn't even fat. She was just eating disordered. So she had body dysmorphia, and she, her weight went up and down 20 pounds. But, but it just, her aesthetics to her were more important than anything else yep. in for the forefront of her brain. But really, that was just her control mechanism. I mean, it's so sad because she passed away 13 years ago, 13, a little more than that. And we um, were 
really extremely close my whole life. Um, and up until she died. So, and we had healed a lot of kind of the, the ish that went on with my body and her, but I didn't lose a significant amount of weight and keep it off until after she died, which of course it's obviously there's some psychological component there that when you're, you're sort of tortured for your body as a kid, um, it, it stays with you until you can really from a, a, uh, subconscious place, let it go, which is, I guess, right. what it did. Um, right. but yeah, so I, but so back to the dieting. So at eight years old, after they found out I did not have diabetes, which should have just been like, yippee, then I was taken to this quote unquote child psychiatrist mm-hmm. who was supposed to help me with food, I guess, and keeping a food diary. But like at eight years old, who wants to keep a food diary? And eight years old, it was really clear to me that I better not tell her what I really was eating. So that kind of started that cycle of, oh, you like Coca-Cola, don't let anybody know. You want to eat the cake, eat it, don't tell anybody. So that like, shame. Yeah, so I was not giving her in my handwritten food log to eat anything that was going on, oh. which I'm sure she knew. But um, that started sort of that being ashamed of food and liking, and, and it, it could I couldn't enjoy um, food and, and, and the fact that I liked the things that everybody liked was somehow embarrassing for me to like it because I wasn't skinny. I got it. I totally understand. Are you firstborn? No, I'm third. So same okay. setup with my mom. Yeah. Um, always, di- always dieting okay. when we grew up. I'm one of four girls. Oh, my and, God. Yeah. We all grew up in that house, though, Jenny, and I was yeah. the only one that struggled. And I feel like a firstborn perfectionist, mentality, personality, I was more susceptible to it. So she raised us all the same. No one else struggled with body image, eating yeah. disorders, except me. And you can say, and I don't blame her. And we've had, I wrote a book about this and we've had the conversation. Like, I don't blame my mom. She just yeah. wanted the best for us too. And she just was always... Just another idea how to do it. Exactly. Said, no, you're younger than me, but I, at 51, looking back and certainly with my friends, that's just all they knew. They didn't, they didn't know yeah. what kind of harm that was was doing. She had no idea the trouble she was causing. But it's interesting that you were the first born. I mean, my brother was first born, so I think that's why, although he's had weight issues and he is doing great now, but he's had his own stuff with his weight. And my sister, I think because she was so skinny prepubescent that it didn't like do that thing to my mother's brain, whereas I was not. So it was a, we had like totally different upbringings in that way, which is bizarre. Yeah. Did you, um, did you ever struggle with, even if it wasn't an eating disorder, like disordered eating as a kid, like growing up? Or you know, you? I mean, uh, of course, I mean, just the hiding of food, I think, is what made me disordered. And then I think that I, I always felt like in college, because we didn't, back in 1989 or 1990 or 91, the, the narrative surrounding eating disorders was not even kind of the same as it is today. And, and thank God today. People talk about the fact that we should all be healthy and, and yeah. that restriction, um, over-the-top restriction is not a great idea. Mm-hmm. And, and binge eating is a thing. So I never had a diagnosable eating disorder, but I certainly had behaviors that were curious. Yeah. And I for sure was like, why can't I be bulimic? Now, obviously, I don't really mean that. But at the time, I was like, 
why aren't I that person who can have a real eating disorder? It was like, I was like a flat, like, I was middle of the road with everything. I was like a little fat. I was like, didn't fully commit to your eating disorder. Yeah. And I was, there was a two year period. I would wake up in the middle of the night and eat and not really know it until the next day. And I wasn't on any medications. So I know that is an eating disorder, but that resolved itself. I think I was either starving myself at the time or, and again, starving myself sounds like an eating disorder, but I never had anorexia. Like I just couldn't do it, which again, I committed Jenny. I fully committed. And I'm about to, I can blow your mind. I was the heaviest ever when I was bulimic. I believe you. Think about that. Yeah. That would have been me because the minute I eat anything, my body gets like the calories from it. And uh, doesn't so it wouldn't have mattered. It wouldn't have mattered if I had vomited. Well, it would not have mattered. What people don't understand about bulimia, you think, oh, you throw up your food, you're going to be skinny. When you binge and purge, you throw off your hormones so much that I was just you're bloated and puffy and like yeah, look like a fat suit of my body. You're living in a uh, permanent state of stress. Exactly. That is my whole thing now, Jenny. Like. I, just really quick backstory on me. I had every eating disorder you could ever have. I went from, in high school, it was anorexia, where it was to a point where I wouldn't eat carrots. No, I'm totally transparent. Struggle out loud, like you say. I'm transparent about it so that people, anybody that's still in it can see that you can heal. And I wouldn't eat carrots. It was a starchy carbohydrate. I would come home from school. Too much sugar. Yeah, too much, way too starchy. I would take naps after high school, at high school, so I w- it would be time that I wasn't eating. I would just make myself go to sleep till dinner time, and then I played yeah. soccer, and my coach was like, you are too skinny, you're losing the strength in your legs, and like soccer was everything to me, so I was like, oh, oh I gotta start eating. So it evolved, Jenny, to exercise bulimia. Are you familiar with that one? Of course, yeah. I did that. I did, there was one summer where I was exercise bulimic, and uh, it was 1992, it was right before my sister's wedding, mm-hmm. and I was so scared about people seeing me walk down the aisle because I was going to be hot. So my mother hired a trainer. She said my parents hired a trainer yeah. um, that worked me out all day long, six days a week. At the time, I hated exercise, by the way. You wonder why. Um, six days a week or seven days a week, four hours a day. Not like gentle walking, enjoy yourself, move around your house kind no. of. I mean, like hard. Camp. I think that summer I lost 23 pounds. Whoa. And that uh, – and I wasn't, I didn't start from a heavy weight. I started probably 23 pounds more than I am now, which was heavy, but not like, no. you know, when I was really heavy, I was like 80 pounds heavy or 90 pounds heavier. But um, I just remember every time I would eat, I would then have to go work out. Yes. I was like, if I just undo this, it's fine. Like, cookies and I, thank God we know now that that just does not work. Like, it doesn't work. That yeah, was in my mind. It was like, I ate 300 calories. I'm going on the elliptical, 300 calories. <laughs> it's yeah. crossed out, canceled out. Does not work that way. And then I quit soccer in college. Yeah. And I, I fell into depression. And that's when bulimia. Like, Where did you go to school? University of Dayton. Um, I'm from Ohio. Yep. So I, I quit soccer. And then it was like, I know now that it was something that I could control, like my eating, because soccer was gone. I had nothing else. And it started as when you are in a Division One strength program, and working out, and then you quit. You get, I mean, I'm not working out like that anymore, so I gained weight. And it started as I'm going to lose this weight. I'm going to throw up, throw up. But then it's such a – it's so addicting, and yeah. you cannot stop. I mean, 10 years I struggled with my bulimia. And I hid it from everyone because it's yeah. gross, and it's a secretive thing. So like nobody knew what I was doing. And I so I just felt isolated, and it took over my whole life. All these 
like my eating disorders. And then it was like, I met my husband. I got at 36, actually like before, before I even had my kids, I, I got over the disordered eating as far as like abusing my body. But my eating was restriction. I would go to a restaurant, like you wouldn't look at anything that wasn't the salads. Like it's not even, I I only eat salads. Yeah. Yeah, I don't snack. Um, I was in a constant state of stress. Like you mentioned, like if we went on vacation, does the gym, does the uh, hotel have a gym? Um, I have to get up and get a run in. Uh, I would look at menus before I went out to dinner and that stress produces cortisol, which makes you hold on to fat. All your obsession is working against you because of the stress. That's why I'm anti-diet now, because when you don't have yeah. All of that stress and like thinking about things. And I have been, I've done every diet, like name a South Beach, fast metabolism, Atkins, every single one. And they work, yeah. but they're not sustainable. And it's like, if you go on a diet, like initially yeah. you'll lose the weight, but at some point, and I would say like, you're at a wedding, you're at some, before for me, it was like, I had a glass of wine at a wedding. I blew it. I might as well have a bottle of wine or you give yourself permission to eat Mm -hmm. bad, drink bad the rest of the weekend. And it's like start over on Monday. But now I live with balance and it's a sustainable lifestyle. I don't deprive myself of what I want. Right. So I don't quit. Right. But I balance it out throughout the day. Like if I really want a margarita, I have the margarita so that I never feel deprived and I don't want to quit. And it's not a diet. It's a lifestyle of having what you want. And I get it. And it, to me, it's all kind of the, the to me, it's all kind of the, the wording of it. So yes, for you, it's you're conscious. You're not just like let me throw caution to the wind. No, that's yeah. like intuitive eating, though. Is that no. is that what you call intuitive eating? Just checking so in. I know what intuitive. Look, what really what real intuitive eating is. Yes, tell me because I I think I use the wrong words. Like I, I just say be mindful. So, so, Right. You're totally mindful. So the real intuitive eating is this method that was originally started or created to help people who had anorexia and bulimia, anorexia or anorexia and bulimia or just bulimia, someone with a real eating disorder, learn how to eat again. And they had to be taught how to eat again. And typically, the way intuitive eating was first started, like the process, was people were put on a regimented schedule of when and what to eat at the beginning. That's how you would start. Because when you're coming from a place of not eating at all, and I'm sure every, you know, excuse the frizzy hair, every, like, compulsive dieter has these days where you wake up and you're like, I've forgotten how to eat. Like, I don't, I don't even... I don't even know what to have. Like, yes. should I should I eat dairy? Should I not eat dairy? Cereal, the devil. Can I have pasta if it has protein in it? Can I yeah. eat this? I don't want that. Wait, did I have too much fat? I didn't have enough fat. Like sometimes you wake up and you go, I sugar is going to kill me, but I don't think it is because I think that the freaking saccharin will. Like you just there are days yes. that your head goes like this because we have so much. It's like information overload and, and yes. society and the food industry doesn't help. Nothing helps, and so some days you're like. Ah! So I yes. think when you're in the throes of any of the disordered eating, whether you have an eating disorder or just disordered eating, um, sometimes you have to, like, take a step back and say, okay, I'm going to start here. And I'm going to start right. by doing this, this, this. So that's the first step, usually, in intuitive eating is learning how to eat again. Okay. The next step is this idea of understanding your body and really what physical hunger is now. Anorexics are so in tune to hunger that they don't feel it. It's yes, you're power. used to starving. Yeah, not feel foot. 
And, you know, sometimes you feel, and, and for someone like me uh, until now, hunger was like the body feeling like my body was betraying me. Um, and I actually have all the feelings Like some days hunger is the body betraying me. And then other days, if I'm not hungry, I'm like, why am I not hungry? Where's my appetite? You know, I get all crazy and nervous because that's when you have food and body stuff, you have food and body stuff. Yes. So then what happens is you're supposed to get so in tune to your body that every time you're going to eat or every time there's this thought to eat you have to sit with yourself and you have to really dig deep and know what you're feeling are you feeling physical hunger are you feeling emotional hunger are you agitated are you reaching for something because you need to be soothed because you got in a fight with your husband or your kid was annoying or you didn't get the job you wanted or your friend disappointed you or the business contact didn't email back i mean yeah. You have to isolate whether you have physical hunger or emotional hunger. So, yeah. And then when you know you have actual physical hunger, the next step is to figure out, well, now that I know that I'm physically hungry, what does this body really, really want? Okay. Now, so now you figure out what your body really, really wants. And you have to figure out your hunger points so that you don't let your self get so hungry that you go in your fridge and you don't stop. You just have to be hungry enough to eat until you're satiated. And then you have to stop when satiated. That's so that the part. Yes. Yes. That is a lot of steps. And There's I don't, a lot of freaking steps. Now I see why you don't like that. I don't like that. That pisses me off. That's a lot. <laughs> now I get that it can work for people it works for. Fabulous. I'm not anti-working when it works. Of course. What, I, of course. what I don't like is that there are a lot of registered dietitians now who think it's chic and cool and more what people want to be on social media saying, you want to drink the soda, you drink the soda. You want a bagel with cream cheese every Sunday, you eat your bagel with cream cheese whenever you want it. I'm a dietitian that eats pizza. Blah, blah, blah. I eat the pizza too. But there's no way that the skinny dietitian who's telling the fat people to eat the pizza is eating the pizza and then having the bagel with cream cheese and then having the soda and then having the fucking ice cream because her right. body's so hungry it's telling her. Like, it's just not true. Yeah. So leave out all the important steps that get you to the point where you can have that one slice of pizza or that one serving of pasta or that one bagel with cream cheese and not the entire tub of cream cheese. There's a lot before you get to that healthy eating, especially if you're somebody who's been overweight or eating disorder, really somebody who's been overweight. Because, like, my mechanism for satiety is sometimes broken. And my mechanism for knowing what I really physically need, what my body is really asking for, it can be broken. Is it broken every single day? No. Some days I'm dying for salad and vegetables, which Mm -hmm. is amazing, and I eat them. But other days, like, I literally saw a TikTok dessert of, uh, uh, like, cinnamon rolls covered in pumpkin pie filling, covered in white cake mix, covered in butter, with then, like, the cinnamon roll icing squeezed over it. Now, I will never eat this, but did I buy the ingredients so I can (laughs) bake it? Yes. Yeah, you did. But I will smell it. And will I maybe taste it? Yes. Will I then end up throwing it away? Kill me. Yes. But, I mean, I'm very susceptible. Yeah. You said so much there. Yeah. Yes. Like, so that that's was why. And the other thing, and it's just, to me, there's a lot of lying, Erin. Like, <laughs> I, you know, like, you just said it. You said, if I'm going to have a margarita, then I know I'm going to have one. And that probably means that the rest of your day isn't going to be all jelly beans because you're going to make sure it's balanced. It's balanced. And I think it's healthy and normal. And that's like what I do. And so I call myself a dieter because it's become that if you pay attention in that way and you actually say like, 
I'm going to have cookies later. So like for lunch, I'm going to have really clean food for me, healthy, good vegetables, lean protein, whatever it is that is your thing that you eat. And, 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 you know, so I think it's this, you're vilified now, it feels like, if you say that you are mindful or you count your calories. And when I count calories, I don't count them like weighing them. By the way, there's nothing wrong with it if you do. But I don't, macros, like counting your macros. Yeah, I just yeah, pay attention. I have my fitness pal. I love my fitness pal. Like, okay, yeah. I really pay but I have to. Because if you've been fat, and that's the other thing that the intuitive eaters, uh, who like the people who are the experts, are, don't say. If you've been heavy and you lose a lot of weight, you will gain it back if you're not extremely vigilant. That's just so why wouldn't I be vigilant? You and it works for you. You seventy pounds? Is that like you? 70, obviously, yeah, like it depends on which highest. Like my my highest non-pregnant weight when my daughter was like three. So I was or she was four, and she's my younger one. So clearly, I hadn't been pregnant for a long time. Was uh, ninety pounds heavier than I am today? Which yeah. is first of so all weird. That, that is amazing. And then I lost seventy pounds. Yeah. And if you have something that made you lose that much, like, obviously stick with it. My message is to the person, we can go back, person throwing up their food, the person that is healed now, which I need to talk to you about too, about, because some of the language you just used is exactly the language that I use. And I was reprimanded saying that I still have an eating disorder because of my language. And I want to talk about that. But I, when I got into, oh, I'm healed. I don't throw up my food anymore. I was restricting I barely ate I seven days a week on the cardio machine, and Jenny, I was 20 pounds heavier. So sure. my message is to the woman on the treadmill, yeah, don't go in the weight room because okay. bulking up, and that's where the men go. Okay. Try it like this. Lift yeah. heavy. Eat often. This is yeah. the thing about, like, I call it intuitive eating. I do not do all the stuff that you just did. Right. What I do, if I am hungry, before I would be like, I can't be hungry. I just ate breakfast. It's not a meal time yet. I'm going to wait it out till lunch. Now I eat breakfast. I'm hungry again. I eat another breakfast. I do. I'm not eating huge portions, but I will be hungry again. And there is another piece of it. It's not just eat when you're hungry. You said it too. Stop when you're satisfied. Or I would just watch Netflix and like eat everything on the plate. Right. You just check in for a second. It doesn't have to be like, what am I feeling? What am I? I, I don't want to say I do that, but I'll just say, if I am satisfied, and I, I honestly, I'll be completely honest about this, I don't let myself eat to the point of real fullness because I'm scared I'm going to go back to that. But like, I, I was, feel well. I was fooling my well. body to throwing up before. Like, I'm never going to eat to that fullness again. Good. No, no, yeah. The thing that I eat that I stop eating because I'm full in an hour, I know I'm going to be hungry again because I lift heavy, which is another component. I'll finish it then. So I'm right. eating the same amount of food. I just don't eat tons of food at the same time. Like, and I truly order whatever I want. It is not a lie. Like fish yeah. tacos, I, I will you. order and I will eat them exactly as they are prepared. Well, before yeah. it would be like no cheese, sour cream on the side, all these things. And it's like, you don't even want this. It's disgusting. And right. you eat it all right. because it didn't have cheese and sour cream on it. But now I eat it as is. I enjoy it. I don't feel deprived because I got the fish taco, but I eat one. That's good. Normal. And if I, eat one, if I want another one, I have another one. But I truly do. People are like, you can't eat whatever you want. I do now. And before, I did not. And I weighed more. I eat Right. Often I, I eat so much more, and I don't think women, women think yeah. starve, and I lift. But you're, 
but you're paying attention. And here's the thing. You need to you're satisfied and not over-the-top full. Just yeah. because the plate comes with six tacos, you might eat two. And if you're really hungry and you want three, you'll have three. Yes. You're not eating you're not eating an entire box of pasta. You're eating no. two bowls. Like there's a difference between sort of um, eating all every – okay, so yesterday – I started the day. I had layered superfood brownies that I had made the night before I in my fridge. I couldn't stop eating them. I ate like half the half the amount that was still in my fridge, and then I threw the rest away because I would have gone back and kept eating it because again, some of the mechanisms are broken. So if there's something that tastes too good to me or does those like neuroreceptors or whatever, I'm gonna go back for more. So my husband didn't like them, so that meant they were only there for me. So I. Because my kids aren't home, threw them out. Did you see the Sex in the City when um, who was it? Miranda. She kept eating the cake, so she put the soap. Yep, I don't have to do that anymore because my little dogs we have pee pads. So like, if the pee pads in the trash, I'm not going to go near. Okay. uh, And then in the afternoon, I ended up wanting potato chips. I'm getting my period. Like clearly, this is hormonal. So I ate a bunch. Like not obviously not a whole bag, but like ate a lot of potato chips. I had a lot of calories yesterday. I stopped eating at 4.30 in the afternoon. That's it. Because I was like, here are my options. I can either stop eating because I've had enough. Like, I, my belly felt ill. I've had enough. Yeah. And that was it. And then I'm fine today. Back but to that's me. a hard stop at 4.30 that you that's have the willpower stop. to not eat. Yeah. Really. Do you do, stop. like, intermittent fasting? Like, do you have eating hours? Gently. No. I Because, like you were talking about when you restricted how it made you gain weight. So I probably weighed... I don't know. I weighed more when I was doing like a hard 18-hour fast or 20-hour fast or a confirmed 16-hour fast. What I have done since 2014, since before everyone was doing it, was a 12-hour fast. I've done a 12-hour fast. I never fucked that up. 12 hours last bite to first bite since 2014. And I lost weight in 2010, 29 to 2010. But 2014, I started that 12-hour fast because there was a nutritionist named Amelia Freer who I interviewed. And she told me to do that because it resets your digestion. So she was like, if you give your body 12 hours between your last bite and your first bite, like last bite at night, first bite in the morning, it's good for your digestion. So I was like, okay, I can get behind that. And that's what we need to do. So it varies between 12 and 16 hours every day, but it's so not in a strict way at all because it backfires. Ate too much if I go like, oh, 20 hours, I have to sit. No. That superfood brownie, is it like low calorie or low sugar or something? No. So it's, yeah, I mean, it's lower sugar, but it's um, certainly not low calorie. I replaced, the recipe calls for a third of a cup of oil. So I replaced the oil with um, canned sweet potato because I had it in the house. So I was like, let me give that a try. And it worked, and it was great, and so it lowered the calories by, like, you know, a little bit instead of having a 300, uh, or a third of a cup is actually, like, if a cup of oil is 1,900 calories, then a third of a cup of oil is what I'm bad at now. So that's 600 calories, something like that. Yes. And, and this was probably 50 calories for the third of a cup of baked sweet potato. So Wow. See, what yeah. I would do there is before I'd be like, oh, they're fat-free, or, like, these cookies or these chips are – they're baked, they're fat-free, or they're um, sugar-free or whatever, and I would eat the entire bag because I, know, I, I rationalized. I couldn't. I had it. I had a stop. So I now I'll have yeah. a brownie, but Probably just not. one, but I yeah. don't feel deprived having just one because I got how a brownie tastes. Like, I forgot what real cheese – now when I, like, make cheese yeah. stuff and I put – like, I forgot what cheese – because it was always, like, fat-free cheese and, like – 
me thinking I'm doing all these good things. I didn't love what I was eating. I ate too much because it was diet. Now I eat the real thing, but less. Yeah, and also you pay attention. Like, I'm vegetarian, so I really do think whenever I eat my fats, I like my fats to have a little protein in them. So, like, I use a lot of tahini. Have you tried the Tahini Goddess products? No, I love Tahini. Uh, no, no. Oh, she makes the best Tahini on the planet. Strong. Literally the best Tahini on the planet. Like, she, it's vegan. I'm not vegan. I'm, you know, vegetarian. Okay. But she makes a Tahini that, um, like, a Caesar Tahini. Oh. And uh, it's, it has nothing in it but spices. It is so good. I mix it with rice wine vinegar or any vinegar works. I mix yeah. it with that. With a little bit of water, with a little maple syrup, a little lemon squeeze. Sometimes they put white miso. You shake it up in a mason jar. It's the greatest salad dressing in the whole world. I wrote it down. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. It's so good. I love it. I feel like we have totally covered, like, the diet side of it. How much does fitness um, play a part into your weight loss and your, like, continued, yeah. like, maintenance? Well, I love what you were talking about that you were uh, on the treadmill every day and do, or doing cardio every day or the elliptical and that you weighed more Yep. because I've had that in my life. I've had that where I was using exercise to combat food and I was using exercise as a way to um, monitor my weight and in my head at all times uh, sort of maintain my weight loss. And I hated exercise so much. I hated it that I'm certain that I had, like, that stress response. I'm certain that my body was like, fuck you. You're going to make me work out. I'm going to make you gain weight. And I still do have an inflammatory response, like, if I overdo it. So I used to hate it so much and to the point where it would make me cry because exercise was always punishment growing up. Like, it was just I was taken to spas as a kid. Like, my family was going to Disney World, and I was off to some spa. Mm-hmm. Now, not really, but, like, it was that kind of – like, they got on a take, me, Like, your mental – yeah. Right. And, yeah, and it always felt like punishment. And I was slow, and the slowest one, and always picked last for gym. And so I never had, like, a good relationship with movement. Yeah. And it wasn't until I lost weight in, in – 2009-2010, still hated exercise, started to spend days on the treadmill because I felt like um, it was a good use of my time to be, like, walking and, like, talking to people on the reef, like, when I was already on the air. So it was pretty kind of the way social media works. So people would tweet questions to me or whatever, and I'd go on the treadmill and I'd make videos. And I'd well, yeah, your treadmill talk, and you, like, right. interview so, people. Yeah, so, well, that, was, that came later. Oh, okay. Because I was, like, it was just a way to multitask. Yeah, I love it. Slowly and walk slowly. But again, I still didn't have like a love of moving my body and certainly lifting weights. And then um, then I had a couple trainers. And every time I had a trainer, I just got more angry because it brought me right back to that place of like feeling like I was being punished. And Judgment, my yeah. Like, do another push-up, and I'd be like, go yourself, and, and like, I'm paying. like that. <laughs> right. It's not fit. It's mean. And actually, my the trainer that everyone I know and love uses, who I, I love, his name is Darrell. He's, like, the greatest person ever. But I couldn't even work out with him like I did for a while. And then I was like, I hate this. And yeah. I don't, like, I don't want to hate you because I yeah. love him. And he changed my daughter's life. Like, I love him. And he's the best. And but something about being told what to do doesn't work for me. Once I stepped back and started to understand that movement was there for another reason, and again, it wasn't this neat. It was sort of, um, I have a lot of anxiety. I 
at 51 years old, I'm perimenopausal. So probably when I was 49, I was anxious, uh, sad, nervous, all the things. And I kept reading that a little bit of movement every day changes your brain chemistry. And a little bit of movement every day changes your mood. It does. And, I, <laughs> and so I was like, well, that's really true. That's really true. I'm just going to try it. Yeah. And it just came from that. And it, so little by little, I started just, I gave myself zero rules. It was like, just move a little bit. Man, dancing, walking, the bike, whatever I wanted. And I started to do it every single day. Then I added in the, the mandate of 10,000 steps. And when I made the goal that every day I have to get 10,000 steps, that's when things really changed. Because it took, like, weight out of the picture. Food out of the picture is just get your 10,000 steps in every day. And I know it's an arbitrary number, but it has changed my brain. And now, like, I'm so happy that I can exercise. And I'm so relieved that I could spend 18 hours on a treadmill if I feel like it. I'll walk at 2.0. I'll walk at 3.0. I'll watch a movie. I'll wear wrist weights or a weighted vest. I will lift weights some days. Now, do I lift weights a lot? No, I'm slow getting there. But now I'm once a week. I'm doing some arms. I'm doing some push-ups. I'm doing some squats. And the stuff that I, the cardio I do does incorporate weight-bearing activity. Because if I go on a bike, I raise the resistance for my legs. So I'm not afraid of the big size, I have big size, so they might as well have muscle in them. I mean, it's like, you know, you get to, like, what should better they're big and fat or big with, you know, muscle. And, yes. Yes. yeah, and, like, I have a weighted belt, so on my elliptical, I don't hold, I don't have anything to hold on to with my elliptical, so I'm literally on it, and it's core work, because I have to keep myself upright the whole time. So I, I try to do things that are weight-bearing, along with whatever cardio I'm doing, you walk up the hill, or what, but... I have increased, now I have my little weights, my 10-pounders, my 8-pounders, and I try to do, you know, and I carry dogs around. So I have, I'm constantly thinking sort of the functional motion. Um, But the same, like I hate CrossFit because of the same trainer mentality. Like in CrossFit, they're like harder, harder, harder. And I'm like, no, I don't yeah. want to go harder. And, I, and I'm never coming back. <laughs> when I'm on my bike, like, I push myself enough on my peloton. I wear a watch. I know my heart rate. Like, I can yeah. do this. Go Some away. people need that accountability in somebody. Yeah. Like, when the gyms closed down for the pandemic, it was like, all my friends are like, oh, my God, and they gained weight. I, I didn't need to go to the gym to have somebody. to. I do, I do that. And you made you such yourself. a good point about cardio. Like, it's a mood booster. It's not cardio did not make me lose weight, but like I always preach oh. about lifting and people will like call me out on Instagram. They're like, Oh, you went for a run two times this week. You're running. I thought it was about lifting. And I was like, I'm running because I have a three and a five year old. And it's the only time of day that I'm not listening to wheels on the fucking bus. And I can listen to my playlist and I come back almost like on a high that is. And I also struggle with anxiety. Yeah. Like my, that helps with my anxiety. I'm hypervigilant. I don't know if you have that, but like, Right now, I can tell you all the things that are happening around me. Like, my dishwasher is running. Everything okay. has to be happening while I'm – my dishwasher is running. Just, it does not start till I know my son has read my text message in the morning. <laughs> He's in school. He's not at home. Yeah. So, I have, my daughter calls me and, you know, wakes me. It's like my daughter's up like I am. She's wired, like, exactly like me. So, I always, she and I are in constant contact. Yeah. <laughs> you have a lot on you, and it makes you – it brings you – I'm a better mom after I go and get a run-in. So that is – cardio is for mood. But lifting Change and your you're heading that way, that 
that is what changed everything. Like I don't work out as much yeah, on the days to. that you don't have to. The days that I go, I do go hard, but maybe like 30 minutes and I lift heavy. The next day, your body is burning calories at a higher rate and that's not working out. Yeah. And women are not taught this. Women are taught calories in versus calories out. Like we talked about, eat this much, then go on the elliptical. And it just doesn't change. When you go to the gym, Jenny, like the girls with the best bodies are in the gym. They're yeah. not on the treadmill. No, like they not. know they, that's what you have to start thinking about. Like, yeah. oh my God, she must work out all the time. She's lifting. I can tell you she's lifting, and I learned I it at 37. Like, I didn't know for so long, and my message now oh, no, is it changes. It changes everything. And, and actually, I know that because, like, I don't think it's rare I do cardio without wrist weights, and I'm sure my arms could be much, much, much better. I have old lady arms, but they have a little definition because I've had weights the whole time. Like, so little by little, you need to incorporate some weights. And if I could get heavier, which I just – I did just order – 12-pound dumbbells. Yeah, you did. I have, I have the, um, I have the Bowflex Selectasize, Selectech. Yeah. They're really cool, but they're, they're a little bit, you can only use one weight at a time. Like, yeah, you can't go up by. Let's go put it back in to do 12, so I, I want them all right there, you know. Yeah, but this is the other thing, too. I always lifted light. Like yeah. 10 pounds, because, not that that's light. I, I lifted, oh, I stayed around 10 because I just wanted to tone. I didn't want to bulk. My, how do you do it to get to the bigger numbers? You have to gradually go up. Go to yeah. 10s, to 12s, to 15s. Women are scared of the heavier ones. Jenny, I have muscle tone now when I lifted heavy. You are not going to bulk. Anyone that no, is listening to well. I know that's all bullshit. You're going to tone. The only way yeah. you'll see tone is lifting much heavier than you are now. Okay. And women are afraid to yeah. look heavy. And the women that you're picturing that look like that eat all day long, train oh, yeah. eight hours a day. Sure. Your body is not going to just do that. You will have definition when you start lifting heavier. Okay. And you go okay. there slowly. I was so scared to do it. Now I, I mean, I, I lift so much heavier than I did as a college athlete. And I mean, I think somebody needs to do, maybe it should be you, or somebody needs to do an at home, how to lift heavy at home for women. I have two things on my Instagram that's my home workout. And I did it during the pandemic because I was like, if your gym is closed, here's what I'm doing every day. Especially if you have that. access to weights. I'll send yeah. you both of them. Like, I, I, yeah, send I mean, because I I'm not that. a trainer, so I feel weird putting out training videos. No, and it's just real life stuff. It's like, yeah, like people, if someone gets hurt, like I had a publicist when my book came out, and she's like, you need to stop doing training videos because you're not a trainer and so I'm always a trainer that says I'm not a trainer. I'm a lawyer. You're fine. As long as you tell people, like, you know, buyer beware, you're not, don't rely Yeah, but I, I mean, I was a Division One athlete. Like, I do know how to lift properly. I'm not going to tell you something crazy, but no, I'm not sure. a trainer. But they were like, stop doing those workouts because you're not a trainer. I was like, good point. I'm not. I just want to help people. And I love, that's why I like gravitate to you, like those struggle out loud and you share your anxiety. And we talked about yeah. disordered eating. And I want somebody else to see this and feel seen and feel like they're not alone and that you can come out of it. Like you've lost 90 pounds and you've figured out something that works, like whatever you're stuck in, yeah. maybe something we said today will resonate with someone and it doesn't have to be this strict regimented thing. You don't have to go to gym for an hour. You don't have to take an hour class. So before it'd be like, well, I don't have an hour to take that class, so I'm not going to work out today. Right. You don't have to think of it like that. Like you said, incorporate it into your day and you, like answer emails on the treadmill. Like just make it a part of your lifestyle. Find what works for you and do that. That's exactly. with the food, with the exercise. Cut out all the noise. Cut out all the noise. Don't feel bad. Like my most important thing is don't, like somebody made you feel bad. 
because you said I don't eat like you said I eat this much but I stop when I'm full or you said I'm mindful or whatever and they're like oh my god you're dieting and your diet culture and blah yes no you're allowed to choose to take care of yourself the way that you want to. Yes. That at your age, you figured out what works for you. It is not disordered to choose to stop eating the cookies after you've had three. That is not disordered. No. That's the thing. We've gone, like, too far in that other direction where the minute somebody says stop, that somehow that stop means you're restricting in your whole life. I'd argue you're actually doing the opposite. You're giving to yourself the power to know when you're full and know when you've had enough and you've had the damn cookie. Yes. And it took me 20 years to figure it out. Yeah. I want to end with, I almost ended. I'm so glad you said something that made me remember. So I had a, um, the CEO of Project Heal, which I donate to them. Like my books, parts of my merchandise sales go to them. It's about funding, uh, eating disorder. Like a lot of people can't get it covered, their treatment through their um, insurance. So we had a conversation and it was just like this. And I'm, I'm talking about like, I was bulimic. I was anorexic, all these things. And now I just do this and this and I'm not working as hard and I lost 20 pounds. And I'm like talking and she kept going, like making these faces. And I was like, what is this? And she, and she's like, no, I, I'm, I know what this is. I don't want to like be a therapist and diagnose you. And I was like, no, I don't want to be saying the wrong thing. And she said, you may not abuse your body anymore. And I believe that your heart is in the right place and you're trying to motivate women. But she's like, you are far from healed. Your language is so fat phobic and everything that you talk about is about pursuing a physical ideal. And if you're not in your physical best body, like you're not happy. And I was like, I admitted that I'm not, I feel my best when I'm in good shape. And she's like, then you just have so much more work to do mentally. And I was just like, I didn't even fight back. I was like, Oh, she's just wrong. And because for you, mental wellness and and being physically healthy does involve your being a certain uh, size or aesthetically a certain way. Because for you and your health. But she says that if it's about a size, then it, I should be happy at any size is what she told me. You can't, but not everybody's healthy at every size. You can be healthy at every size. Not everybody's healthy at every size. Are some people healthy at every size? Sure. Not yeah. everybody's healthy at every size. Mm. If I'm heavy, I am unhealthy. I have cholesterol, uh, genetic cholesterol issues. I cannot have high cholesterol. It is unhealthy for me physically. My mother pancreatic cancer. I can't yeah. let my pancreas be overworked. It is not healthy. My body cannot handle excess weight for me. My size is my size. It's what it has to be for me to be healthy. So whatever it takes for me to get there in the best way that doesn't keep me up at night is what I'm going to do. And it's not about, you know, great, the byproduct of being able to fit into pair of jeans. That's really cool. The fact yeah. that like, I'm not, I don't have to shop in a different store. That feels terrific or whatever. Yeah. But that's not the motivator. The no, yeah, the motivator. Right. Do I feel better when I'm thinner because I'm a woman and it's whatever? <laughs> sure, but that's not the motivator. And honestly, I think that, again, the people who tell you that somehow – Losing weight means you're disordered or wanting to lose some weight or your own um, definition of health makes you disordered. I think it's completely uh, narrow-minded and actually cruel. 
because you're not, you're actually healed. And part of your healing process was getting to this place of honoring your body and treating it the way that you know your body works best. You're a better mother when you feel good in your skin. You're a better mother when you're strong. You're a better mother when you nourish yourself. You're a better mother when you sleep. And knowing that, like, you feel better at this size versus another doesn't make you disordered. I will rail against that forever because very often I see skinny women who are espousing this message that you're supposed to not give a fuck about your size. And uh, sorry, like, sorry, not sorry. I do care about my size. But I don't think I have to be a stick figure. No. I don't think anybody has to be skinny. No. It don't work for me. The aesthetic changes. Like, when I was anorexic, it was like Kate Moss, pencil arms. I didn't want any. Now I'm in the gym, like squatting with 50s and hip thrusting. I want muscles. I want a big butt. Before it was like, what you want changes. I don't want to be skinny. I want to be strong. Yeah. I want to end it with like anyone that is inspired today and is listening to this. The hardest thing I I know for me is just getting started. How do you motivate someone or what do you tell them? Like what, how do they get started towards like a fitness journey? So I think the way you get started is figure out Figure out your why. So are you doing it because of your mental health? I mean, what helped me was separating it out from weight. I had to take weight out of it. It couldn't have any kind of, like, punishing thing to it. That just was too much. It was not – exercise is not a remedy for food I've eaten or for what I weigh. It has nothing to do with it. So when I – Separated weight and exercise, took them from the diet and exercise, just separated them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the first step. The second was I really was at this point where I was so anxious and I was feeling so down that I, it was kind of like I, I had to find like something to do and uh, just started doing it with very little, as I said, like no rules. Yeah. Just start doing what you like, moving how you like. You don't have to do what anybody else does. You don't have to do it at the level anybody else is doing it. You could do it throughout the day. I mean, for me, I can get on and off treadmill. Like, I have eight workouts on my phone right now from today because I did 10 minutes, and I had to go back down to the kitchen and, and the workout and do something with my dogs. And I go back upstairs, and it's another 10 minutes. It's like yeah. you can stop and start. There's just yes. no rule. You just have to move. And once you give yourself, like, two months of consistent moving, whatever that is for you, It'll, it'll kick into itself. It's not 21 days. It's really more like 60, but uh, it's worth it. It's yeah, because then you start feeling the – you see the benefits of it. You start yeah, feeling good, and then you want to do it. Then yeah. it feels weird to not work out. Yes. My body craves movement. Yeah. I'm like this. Jenny, thank you so much. This is so good. Thank you so much for listening to the Squats and Margaritas podcast. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And I'll see you next week for a brand new episode of Squats and Margaritas.